You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Um, so thank you guys for joining, uh, the very first ever episode of Sagas and Sass. Um, I've been really wanting to do a, uh, webcast slash podcast. Like I, I'd love to do a podcast, but I'm not going to do all the editing for it, honestly. Uh, so I figured it would be fun to do live webcasts and just do what I do when I usually do these and then I can just turn them into a podcast like pretty easily, Um, you know, all the mistakes and everything. So there will, (laughs) there will be no hardcore editing when this ever becomes a podcast. Um, But uh, so, yeah, I I thought it would be fun to, there's so many book series that, uh, that I love that, uh, a lot of, I, I've introduced a lot of my friends to them or vice versa. My friends have introduced me to them, um, mostly friends that I know from the Song of Ice and Fire fandom. Uh, but I feel like the Song of Ice and Fire books are done and done and done and done and done again. <laughs> so, uh, and also I, I honestly, I don't think I have the attention span to do like hour plus long webcast podcasts about like a chapter at a time. So, uh, I wanted to focus on some series that I haven't really seen much content for. Uh, and I, I decided that the Grisha verse books would be a good first choice because Netflix has their series Shadow and Bone coming out. Um, the, the release date isn't determined, but it's either going to be late this year, like December or probably the first couple months of next year. So, uh, and it's, it's actually going to cover not just the original Grisha trilogy, which we're starting with tonight with uh, Shadow and Bone, but um, it's also going to cover the Six of Crows duology at the same time. Uh, now we are going to do these books in like basically publication order at this point, uh, but we are going to get through at least Six of Crows before the end of this year, which I'm excited about. Um, so my name is Tara. <laughs> By the way, I think I forgot to say that. Um, you can find me. I feel like, because I'm just so used to everybody just knowing these things. Um, you can find me across the web at a Geek Saga, but also please make sure to follow us um, on Sagas and Sass has a Facebook, a Twitter, and, a, and an Instagram. Um, we do have a website that I am very slowly putting together piece by piece. It's nothing exciting <laughs> right now. Um, so yeah, I, I read the Grisha verse books. I don't, I, I honestly don't remember how I got introduced to them. It might've been picking up like a review copy of something at San Diego Comic-Con or whatever, but it, I read them several years ago and this is my first reread. So I'm excited to like delve into them a little bit deeper, like actually think about the things that I'm reading, which I don't usually do with YA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like, it's always a little dangerous to think about the things you're reading, especially in YA books. Yeah, yeah, but I do feel like this series does a good job of, of I, I think the author, Lee Bardugo, she does a very good job of, of approaching some pretty problematic subjects, like better than oh, yeah. other series have done. So um, I guess, so I, I went first. Uh, I don't know if you guys are in the same order on my screen, but Jonathan is to my... Technically, my left, I guess, on the screen. You're muted, though, John. Mm-hmm. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Up that way. <laughs> <laughs> John, you're muted. 
Sorry. There you go. There we go. So now I'm, you're unmuted. And I am uh, a longtime fan of science fiction and fantasy. I have not done anything like this basically since our high school science fiction club, uh, where we were reading the old astounding and amazing short stories on mimeographed paper that our superintendent of schools had mimeographed for us in his youth. So we were basically reading stuff from like the 30s to the 50s. Um, and this will get me back into literary science fiction because I, while I still will read stuff myself, I have left the literary fandom because I'm overwhelmed with the television fandom and the movie fandom. Yeah, it's uh, there, there's a lot of there's there's well, I mean, honestly, I, I was kind of overwhelmed with with like all the new TV shows and everything coming out too. But now we're going to have kind of this vast like emptiness for a while. Um, like I'm still stuck watching the Walking Dead series is <laughs> because, <laughs> because I do a webcast called The Bitching Dead where we literally just complain about the Walking Dead. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, other than that, like there's like, I mean, everything else that I've loved and watched recently has been canceled or isn't coming back until late next year, the earliest. So it's, it's now's the time to pick up books and read, I guess. And that's what I've been doing. So. Well, I was also going to comment. There's so much genre stuff on TV and these days that there's a ton you've never heard of that you could easily go back to, including one that I gave you the DVDs for. So if you ever want to watch know, Defiance, which I will plug forever. <laughs> I know. Well, actually, like I still have them sitting like under, like on my TV stand, like waiting to watch. But like, it's one of those things where I like, I need to, I, the problem is I need to, I need that. That means I need to take Red Dead Redemption out of my PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the real limiting factor. That's, 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 that is exactly what it is. Like, so you will never watch that. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it eventually. Uh, but don't it's, lie to us, Tara. You're never going to stop playing Red Dead. <laughs> oh, oh, but I mean, listen. I don't. It's not like I can't put the Red Dead disc back into. <laughs> but see, but see if the initial taking it out of that seems like. And the idea that then I have to remember to put it back in or just be like, exactly. what the heck, why won't this game open up when I forget? <laughs> and then it'll just disappear into the ether and that's mm -hmm. it. That's what happened with me and Destiny. I took the disc out and I don't know where it is now. And sorry, Destiny, my bad. <laughs> it's over. Um, all right, Nick, go ahead. Okay. Uh, hi, I'm Nick Popio. I'm easily found using my name because there are not many of us. Um, I've been a lifetime geek. I helped found a club in my college for all things geekery. Um, it's just something that I've always loved doing. And I was lucky enough to meet uh, Tara at uh, DragonCon many years ago. And uh, so when we had the opportunity to do this, I was super excited. I've only read Six of Crows. Um, but I absolutely loved it and I'm already loving Shadow and Bone and I'm super excited to explore the rest of the Grishaverse. Yeah, it's honestly, um, the, the, the original trilogy is very, very different from uh -huh. the Six of Crows books, like not in a bad way. Like it's, it, it's, it's the same world, the same magic, the same, uh, some of the same characters, but, um, it, it is a very different tale. It's, it's very it's, classic fantasy in a yeah, sense. Like it's YA. very classic YA 
girl finds out she has special powers mm-hmm. enter adventure which isn't a bad thing because this is one that's done very well but it reads very different from six o'clock crows so if you think that shadow and bone might not be your thing i say please definitely do give it a chance because six of crows is also what i started with it is so good it is yeah well, i mean it the really six of crows books are basically heist books they're, yeah. they're 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 heist books set in a fantasy realm so which came out first the Grisha trilogy, the one, yeah, the one that we're starting with. Yeah, these came out like I want to say about ten years ago. Now was the Grisha was originally Shadow and Bone, 2012? 2011? Oh my god! God, numbers. Yeah, it was. Yeah, twenty twelve, twenty twelve, twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I was mm-hmm. going to say I'd never heard of this author until I saw the name and then said I remember that author's name and it turned out I. She wrote a Wonder Woman book for DC, and oh yeah, she did. Oh, okay, okay, and nice. I I enjoyed it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I when I I like I said, I wish I could remember how I got into these books, but like when I first Ooh. picked them up, it took me. I think I read all three of them in less than a week. So mm-hmm. now, granted, this was back in the day when I was like working part time and like didn't have much of a life. So uh, yeah. of course, I don't have died COVID. I don't really have a life now. Yeah. <laughs> But they are also like really easy reads, and yes, yeah. so it's it's nice to be able to just kind of like devour it. It's the kind of thing that you know, if it were a TV series, I would think of it as like something I can easily binge. Yeah. I can just like sit down, knock out a few hundred pages, and still be excited for more. Yeah. Uh, well, Nami, go ahead and introduce yourself before we get into like other yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, we were starting to get distracted by how awesome <laughs> the books are. <laughs> but uh, hi, I'm Nami. I have been in fandom for a while, and I mostly cosplay these days, and I've been cosplaying for 10 years plus now. I actually just got into the Grishaverse books last year, but I'd heard about them for a very long time. Um, people had been recommending Six of Crows to me on and off, and I just sort of hadn't listened. And then last year, San Diego Comic-Con, one of my friends did like a Book Wars panel at the local library, which was really cool. And it was basically pitting one book against the other. And one of the books that somebody was um, defending and talking about was Six of Crows. And I remember listening to that and being like, huh, nobody ever actually told me what the book's about. And this sounds really cool. All right, cool. And... Then, of course, it fell off the radar because everything falls off the radar. And I, what actually ended up happening for me was the Netflix announcement came out. And a person I really admire was talking about the diversity in casting and how awesome it was and how it's really, really cool that Lee, the author, she wrote Six of Crows, or sorry, she wrote Shadow and Bone, the original trilogy, literally eight years ago. And making the Netflix, like, series now she was like really adamant and like interested in having diverse casting and that was what made me go hmm i'm gonna put this on my radar in <laughs> case you guys are listening in to this in podcast form i am very brown so this is important to me <laughs> um but so what ended up happening was not only were they doing diverse casting but one of the people that they cast was amita suman and she is um she was previously in an episode of doctor who which is one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who ever. And basically my whole thing was, it was like, oh, I trust this person, um, this person's like book recommendation a lot. And then they also um, accidentally bullied me in the best way possible because they just were like, hey, Nami, what's your address? And three days later, the 
duology was at my doorstep. So I was like, well, <laughs> I guess I'm reading them now. So I devoured Six of Crows and then I got really confused by the magic and I was like, I want to read the Grisha series. So I went back and I read the original, original trilogy and then I went back and finished the duology. And I've been, so there's actually another duology in the series now. So King of Scars is the first book in that and I have it and I just, life has been evil and I haven't had the chance to read it yet. I'm like a third of the way in and I just need time, but Gosh, I love these books so much. They're wonderful. It's such a cool magic system. And um, I'm planning cosplays from it. So maybe by the time this webcast is done, I'll have a cosplay. And yeah, I was, um, when I when I saw the, like, I went on IMDb and looked up the casting list uh, after I found out that Ben Barnes had been cast as the Darkling. And I was like, he's a little old, I think. Like, he looks <laughs> young, but like. No, I actually really love Ben Barnes's casting. Because he does look old. And I think that's going to be important because so many people like to portray the Darkling as like looking like a teenager or a young man when he's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's very problematic in casting somebody who actually looks like an adult and way more adult than everybody else in the cast is is good because it'll remind people like, hey, guys, this is a grown up. But yeah, no, you're you're right. The casting is like pretty. It's 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 like really diverse. Like I mean, they didn't just cast some white girl as Elena, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm not sure exactly her nationality, but it's an Asian girl. Um, I I honestly hadn't really heard of most of these people, but uh, yeah, yeah, I was I was I was pleasantly surprised that they that they didn't just go the whole like mm-hmm. normal. Route. And this was also like right after like the Witcher hype for the Netflix Witcher had happened. And so I was like in my like diversity hype happiness because Yennefer and um Triss were both cast as women of color. And I was right. like, yes, more of this, more of this. And then of course, you know, they released some like tentative Lord of the Rings, like whatever they're doing for Lord of the Rings now casting. <laughs> it was just all pasty. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay, back to this. Uh, melanin doesn't exist on Middle Earth, apparently. And then, of course, this happened, and I was like, what a pleasant surprise. And I think, like, the biggest thing for me has been, like, the like Lee herself just standing up and being like, yeah, I didn't make people visibly POC in this book, so we're going to fix that. Yep. And I'm like, oh, what a good thing. Yeah, she doesn't, um, you know, but she doesn't... She does that thing that a lot of YA authors do where they don't really describe the way characters look very much. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Alina is just, she has brown hair. She and, has brown and, hair and she's sickly pale. Which, yeah. Which doesn't, but that doesn't, that could be anybody. Yeah. Mal is described as like copper skinned or bronzed at one point, And I'm like, all right. The- cool. Tan or yeah, yeah. Are you tan or brown? <laughs> Me yeah. shaking the book, but no. And like, <laughs> I think, I think the thing that I really liked about this though was the fact that like she clarified it in a way that wasn't J.K. Rowlinging it. Like you know, coming in after the fact and being like, "Oh, there was secretly diversity. Dumbledore was gay this whole time." And yeah. then when you get the opportunity to show it in a movie or like actual canon content it just doesn't happen because i'm looking at you fantastic beasts which is just terrible for other reasons but also like young dumbledore not being gay in it like why what's the point and like 
you know, it's one thing to just go on and tweet after the fact to be like, no, Alina's actually Asian, but like she actually like hired an Asian actress. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yay. Like, well, that, and it, I feel like she, she knew, like, she knew that she didn't write the diversity into the books. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, this is eight plus years. Like, she, exactly. and honestly, this, so this was published in 2012. So, you know, exactly. she was writing it in like 2010. Like, and I'm not saying it's right or whatever, but like, Back then, like, shoot, I I wouldn't have thought really that much about, like, adding... And here's the other or- thing. Like, she's a white lady. Like, it's not something you think about if that's not something you think about, you know? And, like, it's just... It, it was 12 years ago. I was literally in high school. Like, there, like this is... Like, it makes sense that that's what Shadow and Bone was like with vague character descriptions that people assume are white because that's what everybody did in fantasy. And the fact that she now knows that she fell into that trap. And I think one of the best things is that in King of Scars, I haven't actually gotten that far, but like she taught in King of Scars, it's explicitly written in the book that Zoya is part Suli. So um, Suli is just the uh, fantasy South Asian, Middle Eastern, Arab, Egyptian. I'm doing air quotes right now it's fantasy <laughs> brown essentially yeah. it's so, the catch-all exactly I'm not white yeah and they also like go on to explore some other um characters in you know the northern area of Ferd Ferda Ferja how do you Fierda 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 Fier you know I've actually never said it out loud and like like a fjord like the Norwegian like fjord. a fjord this makes so much sense but well, so they introduce some characters from Fierda who are based off of who are talked about as native Fjordians in the way that like like native tribes of Europe. So it's like explicitly described not only is this character a POC, but they're also like native based. And it's like you can see now that in this book that literally came out this year or last year, whatever it was, she's grown and she's like taking those diversity steps to have diversity and have it be explicit, which is like A plus awesome because don't even get me started on all the YA series authors that are just like, eh, brown. Well, I mean, there's clearly the influence is Russia on this story. Yeah. And so Russia was a pretty white country, if you think Russia. But if you think Soviet Union and the influence Russia has had on the rest of the Soviet Union, it becomes far more diverse. And I'm not sure what. Well, and also there's there's influence. a lot of um, like the Siberian area. There are absolutely right. like natives, people of color, like there, like and 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 yeah, they're they're again, like you said, they're it, like the immediate Russia is is like if you talk about like I'm saying little, but you know what I don't mean little. Saint little, Petersburg, little Moscow, etc. Is yeah. one thing, but like the 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 sphere that they have at some point right. like ran, owned, whatever. Like oh yeah, uh, like actual Russia is in Asia, and they have Asian looking people people in Russia. So, exactly, exactly. so like to me, it's just like, well, yeah, of course that makes sense. They're all fantasy Russian. Also, apparently, if you talk to like real fan, if you talk to real Russians, apparently it is just as absurd of an adaptation of Russia for a fantasy land. Like it's not authentically Russian. It's like, ah, yes, Russian sounding things does Russia make, which is fine, but also 
it's kind of what people do in fantasy when you base things off of a thing, unless you are that thing. I'm so good yeah. at words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, like, I was trying to find the specific, like, more specific uh, Russian influences, but I, I, it was kind of hard to like suss them out. Um, I did like there, the, the, the version of the book that I have has some, like, has like a thing in the back that's like, is there significance behind, um, the word Grisha, which Grisha is like, uh, it's a diminutive of Gregory, which means watchful. Um, but then like, she also went into, uh, thinking that it like visually and orally evokes the word geisha, which I feel like it never did that for me. She was hoping it would like show like the, the secrecy and beauty behind, um, behind like the, the, you know, behind the Grisha. And I was like, I, I don't just replacing the letter. Like, yes, I know the word geisha. Like I don't know, Geisha. I was a history major. I took Japanese class, like like studies in in Japanese history, and like I read memoirs of a Geisha. I don't know, like I don't know a lot about it, but I know enough. <laughs> like the classes particularly, but like mm-hmm. I didn't. I never once thought Geisha because like the whole book is just very clearly so like it, maybe lightly, but definitely Russian in like Russian influenced. I mean, and 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 her whole world has other influences. Like Ketterdam is very clearly Amsterdam, mm-hmm. uh, which you can just tell by the name, even if you haven't read. Six I of also Crows. read it like very, um, cause since I read six of crows first, um, I read it very like industrial London. So that's like kind of what it also seemed to me, mostly because I've never been to Amsterdam, Amsterdam. And the only thing I could, you know, immediately think of regarding Amsterdam was question mark weed question mark. Canals and the yeah. um, I, I can't, I, it's been a long time since I read Six of Crows, but yeah, like, like, I mean, just like I, you know, fear to like, I thought of like Norway, and I think that might be yep. the fjord aspect. Um, you know, yeah, uh, makes sense. Uh, is I'm pretty sure China, it's China, yeah, yeah. It's definitely China, um, yeah. I'm I also realized that I never actually said the word fjord out loud before this, which is definitely <laughs> where that tongue tying came from. <laughs> never been to Norway? No, no. I've, I've been to Iceland. So I learned how to say fjord in Icelandic, which I don't remember, which is oh. objectively worse to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it really beats me. That's amazing. Um, but I mean, other, like, like, does anybody have any thoughts on the, the Russian, like, history and culture? Um, like, obviously the saints, they mentioned the saints, I think, a couple times, and, and it's very Catholic, uh, which is, you know. Russian Orthodox. And I think, I think at some point even, and I'm hoping I'm not, I'm hoping I'm not skipping ahead of where we're supposed to be covering in this, but when they're, I think it's when Alina meets the king or something, they, they say the word czar, like, yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's actually the queen. That, yeah. They say Zarina. Zarina. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then the, and then her son, they use a, another czar. Uh, yeah. Word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever the word for prince is. So it's, 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 it's there. And I, I guess it's interesting that it's like, 
I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know enough about like Russian history and culture mm -hmm. to see more than the kind of like vaguely obvious stuff that's there. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I like that she chose that because I, I mean, most, I mean, honestly, like, like we look at so much other fantasy that we, that is, I mean, that I've read like the, the, obviously like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and, and especially like Song of Ice and Fire. And uh, I'm trying to think of like what else I've read. Like most of the stuff I read is like very French and or British influences. So mm -hmm. this was definitely uh, like, it's something a little bit different, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that was the main reason I sort of stuck with it, if anything. Cause like, I don't really, I don't know what real Russian culture is like, but the fact that this wasn't just basic London European fantasy, like basic British European fantasy, essentially, <laughs> it was it was a breath of fresh air. And I was like, yeah, let's stick with it. And then, you know, starting for me with Six of Crows, I got like a really weird cast of weird, different people and like, oh, like insanity. So, of course, I stuck with that. And then coming back to Shadow and Bone, I had it brings up that good nostalgia of just reading like classic good old girl gets powers book, but like having the flavor of a completely new power system and the flavor of a different culture as the background instead of just basic English, British culture. Yeah. No offense. British culture is basic, but all fantasy, most fantasy is sort of based in it, which makes it basic from a fantasy point of view do different things people so many things exist <laughs> yes and it's it's so disappointing when people fall back on that basicness right like when there is so much interesting content out there that they could be drawing on to instead always fall back on these you know well-trod examples is a little lazy so it is really nice to see people exploring other cultures, other areas, even if it's not necessarily, you know, it's still somewhat European, even if Eastern European. So I will defend authors for a second and attack more, <laughs> and attack more publishers in this regard. Authors oh, write that's what, absolutely true. <laughs> authors write what they know. And there are probably plenty of authors who know the Middle East or who know India or who know China. But until recently, those authors were not published in the English language. Very great point. Yeah, this is 100% agree. I think well, I either. also think some of that is like people might write it, but does it make, does it even make it to an like, like if it makes it to an agent, does it make it to a publisher's desk? You just, you don't know. Right, well, like, but yeah, that's the There's same. so many steps, but. Yeah. And we're also presumably, uh, I guess I don't technically know this, but I'm guessing that we are all currently in America and consuming <laughs> primarily content in America. And yep. so. There's, written in English. Yeah, <laughs> written in English, all those things. And so there's definitely going to be that bias there. And like you said, Jonathan, you know, that's very much on the publishers as much as anything else in terms of what's getting to our hands, what's being translated, all of those things you don't end up seeing as much from a more diverse background because of that. 
I mean, and also I'm going to just rank a little bit on like Twilight and like 50 Shades of Grey. <laughs> like, this is the shit we're being given. Like how many good like novels or series are they passing up for stuff like that? Listen, if you want terrible smut fan fiction, like talk to 10 years ago, Nami. She wrote some crap. It was bad. We could publish it and change the names. I think that might be the next series that we uh, need to read on. <laughs> Sagas oh, and Sass. It's Navi's old fan fiction. I think this is <laughs> that's that's what needs to happen. Oh my gosh. Um so uh other than the Russian influences, um one of the things that uh I was interested in talk or wanted to talk about was like at the like from the beginning we you know, when Alina finds out that the Darkling is like a human amplifier and like we're, it feels like we're supposed to assume that like they're super rare. Maybe he's even the only one yet. One of the first people she meets at the little palace is uh, one of her teachers, Bagra, who is also a human amplifier. And Nami, you gotta be, Nami and Jonathan gotta be careful because you guys have finished the book. But like, I, I, I think it's interesting that like, we're led to believe, and maybe it's a little bit telling as to like what will happen in the future, like that we're led to believe that what he is is super rare, but then we immediately meet this woman who is also this thing. Um, and it makes me wonder, like, uh, it, I mean, it made me wonder the first time I read this, like, okay, well, wait, so like, we're, is he really that? Like, so he's powerful, sure, but like, is he really that special? Like what? I think for me, my biggest thing was more than anything, like he was special because he controls the darkness. And the amplifier, yeah. I read it as a thing that is rare, but can actually happen for others. And I think that was the big thing for me. So like, for me, I think the other thing was that I didn't really read it as weird because for me, Bagra kind of shows up and she's like, I'm the only person who can teach everyone. I'm the one teacher. You listen to me young children i am teacher and i think like i'm so used to like the wise old lady wise old man trope that for me to have her also be almost at that level of special but not quite there made sense and you know while i also read it as amplifiers are rare i also was reading it as yeah they're definitely recruiting every single person with powers and bringing them to this one place so of course we're going to have more than one of super rare if everything that could be super rare is already in the one place. And, and I weird statistics. <laughs> I think I interpreted it at the time when I didn't know better that she may have trained him to be the she amplifier. Mm -hmm. Well, but she that's she was an I amplifier, thought. and she then taught him how to amplify others. So that's and picked him out for some special reason, which I figured we'd find out. That's I think a, that I think well I think that I think that being an amplifier is is like any sort of Grisha talent. It is it is born in you. It's not trained. Like I, I always I, I always assumed like I mean because they test the children and everything like that. Um, I always kind of assumed that it was. Yeah, I read it as um like you are born as an amplifier or you're not. You can't learn it. But I also read it as it's useful to have a teacher as an amplifier because who else would need to amplify you except a teacher or like extreme war. So I like I like the teacher angle a lot better than like. The war. Well, and one of the things that I think um, I'm forgetting who talks about it. It might be I want to say Ivan 
Um, anyway, somebody talks about how one of the things that's uh, distinct about the Darkling is the fact that he has multiple abilities um, that most other Grisha have like the one thing that they do. And then the Darkling one is unique in that he can manipulate the, the darkness, but then also that he has multiple powers like the ability to amplify, which while other people also can amplify, they don't necessarily have the other power sets. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's weird. It's like even even rereading this a second time, like just like talking about it makes me think like, okay, yeah, no, that that makes sense. I didn't mm -hmm. really think about that, uh, that it's that it's a, you know, some people have one power. And, well, and, and I think I mean, it's like the the um, like you look at the different uh sects, I guess you could call them, of the orders. Mm -hmm. um, like the Corporalki, like you're you either become a heartrender or you become a healer. Mm -hmm. What's like what what so you're so from my way, but you you are either you're better at one thing or another. Yeah. yeah. So from my understanding of this, and I can't remember if this is just from Shadow and Bone or from everything. So this might be a little bit more meta world building. But my understanding is that once you figure out what basic order you're in, you kind of figure out where your powers lead. So yeah. anybody mm -hmm. who is a corporal key can realize that they have an affinity for healing or for heartrending. Or they can re realize they have an affinity for neither. And essentially, they get trained in a way to amplify those aff affinities. So, like, basically, you learn what you end up doing. So, so is it sort of, like, is it almost sort of like Hogwarts houses? Like, and I, like, let's ignore J.K. Rowling's existence as a whole person. But, yeah. um, uh, like, is it sort of like Hogwarts houses where, like, you're 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 something, but you get to choose too. So like if you yeah. if you are a corporalki, you might. I mean, you might have a slight like maybe a slightly more a, like you have more of an affinity for one for being a heart render than a healer. But if you choose to be a healer, you can train to be that because your powers are still at the base level the same. Yeah, exactly. And it's only once like so. It's basically like you're going into a bachelor's degree and your bachelor's <laughs> degree is your useless, your useless bachelor's degree is your Grisha class. And then you take your master's and your master's is, oh, am I a heart render or a healer? And then you do your PhD of the same thing. And by the time you're done, you're like, well, if you become a healer, you're like, what even was heart rending? Like, I can't remember that shit. And so at that point, you're a healer. You can't heart rend anymore just because you haven't looked at it, like, literally since you were six, because they're recruiting them as kids. And I think that's another thing to keep in mind. They're recruit, mm -hmm. like, Grisha are being recruited when they're really young and really moldable. And I think, like, literally in the prologue, Alina's, like, five or six or seven, somewhere around there. And that's when... I think she's older. I think she's seven or eight. I, I might, I want to say she's eight, but they specifically say that she was tested late. Yeah. So. But so it was one of those things that, like, when you teach a child so many specific things, they forget the specific things that you never bother to teach them and that assume they can't do them. So to me, I sort of read it as, especially for the corporal key, and I don't know how much it works for um, material key. I think it works a little bit for material key, and I'm not sure how it works for 
oh my God, what's the last? At the real key. At the real key. At the real key. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much it works for them, but especially for corporal key, I always read it as you can do either, but you pick and then, or you're assigned. And once you assign, you learn so much, you forget the other one. Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit for, for, for that, for at the real key, like the thing that with them, it feels like they are so specific because they're either tide makers or um, what's the other one? It, yeah, it's like water, fire, or air. Yeah, yeah. It's so like it's very, it's very, it's very Avatar. You know, yeah, the last it's, difficult. <laughs> it's difficult for me to see the overlap between them without being like, so you're the Avatar, like, yeah. like. granted elemental manipulation if you take it down to like levels of molecules and stuff i suppose you can fudge it and say anybody can do anything but i would want to see you know lee's interpretation of that versus me being like i studied chemistry once and i vaguely remember (laughs) that that's what uh, i want now i want lee to weigh in on these theories because i feel like you're really solid on that. In that, in this case, I'm going to recommend that Tara. Once we finish Six of Crows, we should also go on and read the Nikolai duology. So that's going to be King of Scars, and I think it's the Rise of Wolves, the Ruin of Wolves, or something that's coming out next March. But we should go on to read those because that um, there's already like whisperings of further like Grisha lore in that and like sort of like the Grisha world building of how those powers work and like I'm a sucker for a good power system I'm a sucker for a good power system even if it makes you overpowered or a Mary Sue just as long as you can come in here and be like I explain it this way and this is the reason it exists and I can be like well yeah that's a bullshit explanation but she explained it so fine I'm good. <laughs> no, I mean, and, 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 and I don't know, maybe, maybe like Jonathan or Nick, maybe you guys noticed more than I did. Like, but, and, and I'll say just for reading future books, there's really not much more explanation, but like mm-hmm. when, when Alina is studying like the, the background of like Grisha theory and everything. And, and, and even when she first talks to the Grisha, um, like, like Ivan and, and Sergey and, um, oh my Grenia. gosh, whose name starts with the F. The first the first handful of people that she talks to, like they're trying to explain the small science to her and mm-hmm. like how and, and then she's reading the theory and she's trying to understand how it works. But there's like I, I and listen, like it's it's YA fantasy. I can't blame her. I can't blame the author for kind of glossing over how she came up with this power system because but I think what bothers me a little bit and this is where I get a little bit sassy is that she sort of like starts it and then she like kind of doesn't know where she's going with it. So she just stops. And to be honest, she never really, like I'll say this from having read future books, she never really goes into that much more detail. So like if they're, if they're going to, she does, there's, there's a bunch in King of Scars that, that is a little bit more like a somewhat more revealing, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a little bit maddening from these original books to be like, oh my God, like, like you started explaining it to us and then you're like, yeah, well, but also, and then, then, then just, but moving on to other things, the dark thing, <laughs> Selena, like. <laughs> yeah, no, I literally just want, oh. like, cause I know, um, uh, what is it? The, the Saints book just came out. I literally want Lee to just write us a, like the small science book please give it to me lives of saints oh my god mine is in the mail i'm so excited so i got this as a i got this as a review copy and i'm pretty sure this is an error well i don't want to lose my i don't want to lose my place i gotta remember what page i'm on so like 
this is the this is the front, and this is like a little bit of an interruption for anybody who's listening to this as a podcast. I'm showing off the new Lives of Saints book. Um, that's obviously literally the live. It's supposed to be the Lives of Saints that they read in the series. Uh, so this is what the front cover. I'm pretty sure is supposed to look like. Yeah, but if I open it from the front cover, uh oh, that's it's upside down. Yeah, no, so, that is the front cover. Yeah. Well, so that's an error, which is cool because this is probably worth money, honestly. <laughs> but like, this is the back cover, and this is how this is how I read the book from from the back forward, apparently. But is Russian read differently? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I was. I wondering. don't remember like, if it is I, or not. I, I don't believe so. I don't believe Russian is. I, I think so. it's just Hebrew, and like, there are several languages that are read opposite, um, like right to left. But I mean, Japanese is also right there there like manga is read like backwards um but uh no i i i honestly think because like other people were posting i'm in a grishaverse group on facebook and other people were posting pictures of this um and i was i was like i think their books are right side up i was pretty sure it was a printing error which is why i got this copy like as a review copy but like um it is it, it is like it is very interesting like it's a i like it because i like the series a lot. Um, I actually have some like swag that I got from a box that I might like do a giveaway for the webcast from because um, like I don't really need it. Can uh, we win later? No. <laughs> Dang it! Oh. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like like uh, this book in in particular, like it's it's the the some I'm a little disappointed in some of the tales so far. I haven't gotten all the way to the end, but, and I also feel like if it's a book of like the lives of saints, like it should be more like saint like artwork at, at mm -hmm. the beginning of the tales, but like, it's a lot of stuff like this. Like it's, 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 I don't know. It's, they're not, it's good art. The art is very, it's very like, you know, some of it's dark, but it's very pretty most of it, but, uh, and, and it's good it's quality, but I was kind of expecting it to look more like, I don't know, like the art, the, like, Catholic like saint art, you know, mm -hmm. where they're all just like, oh. Well, the book, and, though, it was more like the deaths of saints, right? I mean, everything was their their martyrdom. But all, yeah, all those, the a, lot, a lot of them the... are. A lot of them are. Some of them aren't. Um, I, I actually would say I'm a little over half. No, shoot, I'm not even halfway through. I'm I'm right of, close to halfway through, and about it's about half and half so far as to whether they're uh, whether they were martyred or not. Yeah, I remember like. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but like my vague recollection of Lives of Saints from the series was that it was pretty dark. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you know, there's a lot of dark <laughs> stories in here for sure. Um, so like, I sort of get that like the art isn't just saintly, and it's just like, well, they died. I guess I just like I don't know. Like I, I expect I just you expected were expecting this, just this, full on this... Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> full on Catholicism. That's what I want in my life. <laughs> Who would have thought that sentence would have been said? <laughs> no one, literally no one. Well, but, like, but I, I, I assume I, it's I, more I, Russian no, Orthodox. Nobody, nobody, Tara, full on Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Someone meme that for us, please. Um, okay, so, so. Anyway, we were we were talking about the power system, um, and and honestly, I'm interested because Jonathan and, and Nick, like, and I know Nick, you've read Six of Crows, but like because you guys have only read like 
some or most, some or all of the first book, um, how you feel about like the, the the magic system here and like how she introduces it. Because like I think she does a pretty good job, but I just it just has frustrated me for a long time that like we get that little bit and then she takes it away. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I got a little bit grumpy at it just because like you know. I'm a grown-up now, and if I was reading this as an actual young adult, I would have been like, yay, they kiss! Romance! But as a grown-up, I was like, ew, they kissed. What's the what's the power system? Can I can can you tell me more? Elise? <laughs> so it was just it was just for me one of those things that I was reading this and I was very much aware of who she was writing for in that moment. Because in that moment, I was like, this isn't what I want as an adult. And this book is not directed to me. Yeah. And I think that was the moment it hit me. And it was also the moment where I was like, eh, screw it. I'm going to read the rest. I'll be honest. I barely noticed the power system. No. <laughs> it's so pretty and shiny and different. I, I, no, I just, it's never something that I thought was critical of most novels. And I accept that fantasy worlds have... What I want to know is, do, do they have power limitations within their systems? Otherwise, they become too powerful, and that's the whole story is, oh, they're so powerful, they can do whatever they want. Well, we uh, shall see, won't we? Well, maybe. But <laughs> I, as far as the how it actually, the mechanics of how it worked, other than, of course, that they had some inherent powers, they were trained to use those inherent powers, and then with potential amplifiers, they could amp up their powers more i mean other than those that three simple three step simple uh progression well, what I, I think works in uh shadow and bone uh especially the first half which is what we're you know what we're talking about here you're really kind of learning it alongside alina right so we're not getting yes. all the information because alina doesn't have all the information She's sharing, particularly in the first chunk of it, she's sharing her perceptions of the Grisha as an outsider because she hasn't even realized that she is a, a, a part of that group yet. And so she only knows what she's heard from other people and then what she's observed herself uh, as part of the First Army. And then we learn a little bit more after she starts meeting these other characters who are also... Uh, and also have as access to those powers. But we don't really get an in-depth knowledge of it. And part of that is, as, as sort of the narrator, we know she's overwhelmed by trying to learn all this information because she's behind. She, one, would have been behind even if she had been identified when they first tested her. But because she doesn't actually get identified until much later. She's behind everyone else. She's tr struggling to keep up and she doesn't really understand how any of this works. Now I'm with y'all. I want to know more about how these powers work. And um, I'm the kind of person who I want to like, I want the, the grit. Like I want to know exactly how it works, how each of the different subclasses works, all of those things. But I do like that until you get a narrator who has access to that you might not know any of those things so i i do appreciate that aspect of it yeah i think that's actually a really good point because like you bring up how unreliable alina is as a narrator just because she's overwhelmed and she's like literally thrust into a new world and she's freaking out 
as yeah. she can't access her powers. So she really also doesn't think she belongs in all of this. And I think that's one of the reason that I w- one of the reasons that you know this book hits so close in nerd groups as a thing that you just consume so quickly because that whole outsider feeling is like the nerd experience mm-hmm. TM. And I think. God, I, I actually genuinely do love Alina as a narrator, even though, you know, she's a teen. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things that, like, she's such a good... She's so good at conveying exactly what she sees and literally nothing else that... But she's, she's no longer... Well, I mean, I guess she's in her late teens, but I, I think of her as a young adult, not a teen. I, I mean, mean, she's, yeah. like, she's, she's 17. Like 18, she's right? really young. She's 16, she's- 17. Okay, I, I was I was trying to remember how old she was. She's she's seventeen, yeah. She's seventeen at the beginning, um, which brings not not like not to like steer the subject away from what we were talking about. But can we talk about the hundred and like hundred plus year old dude and the seventeen year old again? Like because uh, to be honest, like I think the first time I read this, I like that that like which is weird because that was one of the things about Twilight that I was like, oh, like. Uh, well, and, and Buffy the, the Vampire Slayer also. Like, I read Twilight in sixth grade, and I remember actively thinking, wow, this is so romantic and sweet. I want this to happen to me. And then reading this, I was like, this is creepy as fuck. Why can't he find a woman his own age? Which is very <laughs> the opposite for me. Like, I read Twilight as an adult because all of these people suggested it to me, and I was like, oh, my God, what am I reading? And I, I finished the series because, like, I, I bought the series at Costco. Like, like, I, like, my friends kept bugging me to read it, and I saw it at Costco, like, and it was the, all four books. It's four books, right, Tess? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> is it four books? Is it three books? Oh. I think it's four. I think it's four. Yeah, but, like, I bought, four. I, like, I bought, like, the whole yeah. series at once, so, I, like, I, I I hated the first book, but I was like, God, I just, I have to continue. Like, maybe it gets better. Like, people I trust. It did not get better. It did not get better. It did not but, get like, better. So it weirdly enough, the one like one of the things that I really that really bothered me about that series was the fact that Edward Cullen has been alive since like the early 1900s and he's like in love with this like 16, 17 year old girl. But for some reason, reading it the second time is like maybe I just have a shitty memory and I don't remember like how I felt about it the first time. But like, I guess I didn't really think about how old the Darkling really is because they just and it might be because she describes him as being super, super young all the time. And then she only ever mentions like that he's old like once or twice. Yeah, I think for me, I always sort of assumed that he was young, but then when they explicitly said his age, I was like, ew, no, what? Ew. And I just, I just like sprinted out of that. And I think my other thing is that I kind of never really liked the Darkling as any sort of romantic interest at all, because I read him as a glorified kidnapper. Um, Like, granted, he's giving her power and like, giving her her birthright. But he always just, he always read to me as a glorified kidnapper. And he basically comes in and he's like, yeah, uh, actually, you do have these powers. So uh, ditch your BFF. You have to come with me now. And she's like, what? And she's like, you have to. You're my only hope. And then he basically holds her hand and he's like, we're partners now. And I'm like, oh. Well, in all fairness to him, he did sell it as if I'm protecting your life. Because now that we know what you are, everyone's going to try to kill you. Which is true. Yes, which is true. But I still read it as, ah, uh, kidnapping to keep me safe. But also, can we just have some YA novels that don't actually involve romantic subplots? 
I mean, no, I mean, because they're YA Obviously novels, not. Obviously not. I would but prefer. I'm so over it. I would prefer well, Ender's Game plots with like the same age let's, range. Thanks. Let's not talk about Ender's Game or that author. <laughs> honestly, valid. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> Honestly, like for me, the Darkling always just read as incredibly suspicious because, you know, comes in wealthy old white dude, essentially. He's like, hey, I'm pretty. I got you powers, girl. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I you're don't pretty? know how I like glossed over like his age the first time I read this because like I remember like reading that he kissed her and, and I you know I think it I, it's it's that unreliable narrator thing or mm-hmm. it's kind yeah. of a reliable narrator it's the way Alina perceives him she's constantly seeing the humanity in him yeah um, so and again I don't want to get beyond so we I don't want to get beyond chapter like thirteen we don't yeah. know what the Darkling is or not is not or whatever. All we know is that he's old and he took her away from like everything she'd ever known to protect her. And I, I mean, I've, I've been putting that in quotes, but honestly, that's what it was. He really, no, like, he really was we, protecting we, her. I will yeah. give him that. Maybe not was, for the right, maybe not yeah. for the right reasons, but he was protecting her. Definitely <laughs> protecting her. Definitely giving her power. Um, also yeah. definitely stealing away her away from like her safety net. And then also just, you know, isolating a young woman in a place and then proceeding to romance her. And I'm just like, and I remember, I very distinctly remember when I read this the first time that I was reading this and I was just watching Alina do this and I'm like, oh my God, was I this dumb? Was I this dumb? <laughs> what are you doing, sweetie? No. And I'm pretty sure my my whole, like, I had like just a symphony of sweetie no happening in the background the first time I read like through this section, especially because like, um, oh my god, I can't remember if this is 13 or 14 now, but like they're getting ready for like that fancy ball. And oh yeah, that's we, later, that's later, that's later. But like the ball, the ball hasn't happened, but like before, like a while before, he's talking about getting her ready and he's like, Yeah, you'll show off your powers when I need you to. And I'm just like, No, I don't like yeah. that. Stop it. She can't use her powers. Yeah, leave her alone. She's trying. Well, and also, here's the thing. Like, he knows what he does to people, okay? Like, yeah. he knows the effect that he physically has on Grisha. Like, I mean, it, it, like, like the, the, the passage where he kisses her for the first time is, like, I, I, again, the first time I read this, I wasn't really thinking about it. But, like, rereading it was, like, oh, my God. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, he knows he's an amplifier. He knows he has this effect on people. Like, and he just, you know, it's creepy. Whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to get, I don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves on this. Um, cause trust me, there's a lot more that needs to wait for the second <laughs> no, half. No, I just, part two. Half this book. I, yeah. he's powerful and he, and he creepy. Yeah. Well, and, so I haven't read the second half yet. Um, and so I, I don't know that this is going to happen. But I suspect that at some point in the not too distant future, we're going to see Mal come back. And then we're going to have the classic YA love triangle. Because uh, that seems to be what's getting set up here. Um I will, I, this is a slight spoiler. I will say that no, there is no classic YA love triangle. <sighs> What? Not, it is yeah. solidly a mess. Yeah. 
you're gonna have fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's different. And, it, and, and honestly, that's one of the things I really loved about the series is like, yeah, like we know that she was in love with Mal and we know that she's got this thing going on with the Darkling, but it's like, it's, it's entirely, it's, it's very, it's presented very differently. It is oh, that's not, so exciting. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, <laughs> like that's love, one thing to look for. There's to. a love square. Hexagon. I think I want to say Pentagon. I want to say Pentagon. I'm I'm very excited to see where this I'm goes. Just, yeah, I'm interested in that. This. We'll have to talk about that later. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I got you, Tara. It's a Pentagon with some so, folding. It's a folding Pentagon. <laughs> along with the just just because I want to get this out of the way, along with the whole creepy like, oh my god, why would the 120 year old dude and the young girl, um, Genya? Like she is described as being incredibly beautiful, right? Why does she have golden eyes? Why do people think that is attractive? Like attractive? Like I don't care what color your hair is. Like your golden eyes. Like that's creepy. That's weird. No I normal person. <laughs> no normal person has that eye color, or especially not a person with red hair. I mean, red hair okay. people have blue or green eyes. It is like literally like I'm pretty sure that is <laughs> DNA, right, Nami? Right, Nami? Mouse person? <laughs> All my mice are dead. Don't look at me. <gasps> Nami just got her master's and she did something with mice and it apparently was bad because they're all dead now, but it had something to do with DNA. I mean, they had to I, be dead. I listened, to her, I listened, to, her, I listened to her thesis presentation. Oh. <laughs> I but didn't yeah, understand no, most of it, but I listened yeah, no. to it. Genetically speaking, usually if you're if you have so little melanin that your hair is that light, you will have lighter eye colors. Apparently, also, this is news to me. Did you know that blue-eyed people just like get like their eyes just like hurt because yes. of the sun? Like yes. I'm so so I did not know that was a thing. I have like the brownest of brown eyes. Like they might as well be black. Um, I'm sorry the sun hurts you. I didn't know this until one of my friends who worked at my lab with me literally sat in our break room with one window on a sunny day, full on wearing sunglasses because the sun was hurting her eyes. I'm pretty sure I have crow's feet on my eyes literally just from squinting when I go running. Like yep. that's like- I'm happy with my brown eyes now. eyes now. I used to hate them, but honestly this whole squinting thing sounds like a lot more pain than it's worth. Okay, go back yeah, to my thing. they're genetically superior. <laughs> but yes back to my thing when i read that genya has golden eyes i personally didn't even register because to me i read that as like a very light brown i didn't read like actually gold eyes because that's creepy and not real and to me i just read like oh she has like hazel i feel like eyes. i need to find the passage where she meets genya because it's like really it's like really specific like it's the way she describes them is well it just it just brought me back again to the twilight nonsense like why <laughs> yeah, with Edward's golden eyes. and her skin glitters and yeah so I mean, if you it's... just dust yourself with diamonds every day nick isn't that the fashion yeah and, and 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 i get that I genya i get that genya Pro very could likely possibly change the color of her eyes um mm -hmm. you know to to oh yeah uh, i think that's the other reason i didn't register it because i was like yeah again what Genya just like yeah, magic makeup she's her using wavy, glamour, her so. wavy hair was deepest auburn her iris is large and golden like i'm sorry if somebody describes somebody's irises as golden i don't think brown like there's hazel there's brown 
those like lighter brown, I guess. But like, if you tell me your eyes are golden, I'm thinking of Twilight immediately and just brushing it off. Like, yeah, full on, I why do people think this is attractive? That. Like, yeah, why do I, people think this is attractive? I think honestly, it might just be your Twilight trauma sticking around with you because it didn't even register to me. And full on until this moment, I had forgotten that Edward Cullen had gold <laughs> eyes, Twilight, and I am Twilight trauma. <laughs> I am now incredibly upset by it because, like, quietly in my brain now, I'm like, is Genya a vampire? Vampire Genya? Maybe. I, I just, I, I honestly am concerned that Lee Bardugo was once a Twilight fan because, like, this is two references that have made me, like, the, the 120 year old dude and the 17 year old girl. I mean, honestly, and now though, the golden irises and the most attractive person in the series. Let's be fair, though. It came out in 2012. She was probably writing this 2010. Like, Twilight had come out 2006 ish. So, like, this would have been prime Twilight fan time. So. True. It does track. It that is oh true. my god. I can't believe it. If I ever meet Lee Bardugo, I'm not gonna ask her any of my questions. I'm just gonna be like, are you a Twilight fan? Can you have gold eyes? <laughs> Forget everything else about this series. Me. These are Me. the important questions. We right. need answers. It, it, like literally, I have like a whole thing in my head about like how Grisha powers actually work, and I'd be like super technical questions about this thing that I'm super interested in. But gold eyes, Edward Cullen. Like, please don't tell me this was an Edward Cullen reference. Um, <laughs> it? Well, I mean, okay. So speaking of colors, this isn't the best segue ever. But one <laughs> of the things, one of the things we're introduced to, uh, you know, is the the colors of the three different Grisha orders, mm -hmm. which are purple for Materialki, uh, blue for Etherealki, and red for Corporalki. I mean, I feel like the red is probably the most obvious of them. But like, I actually did a little bit, and I and I don't know if she did, the, if, if the author did this sort of research into like the meanings of these colors. But um, I, I was kind of interesting because like, for me, like my first thought of purple is like purple is royalty, but materialki are considered the least yeah. of the of the Grisha. Uh, so there's also apparently purple um, is is a color that encourages imagination and creativity, um, and it also invokes ideas of like luxury and material things. So mm -hmm. I was like, I okay. think it might be more that sort of thing. For me, though, I think the weirdest thing was not having people who could control fire in red because, you know, as as like an OG Avatar fan, I was like, ah, yes, if you have fire powers, you must wear red and only red, Eddie. But if you go to the place with all the blue, you must still wear the red and they will have no mm -hmm. idea who you are, but you must wear the red. Oh. <laughs> like just like sticking with that in my head I always was sitting there and I'm like I know they have red embroidery on their keftas but at the same time I was like not real firebenders mm -mm. <laughs> which is a silly thing to be but no I also I just I love all the colors and like all the color in the show because it just makes for good like costume design and good cosplay and yeah I'm really I'm excited for the costumes my seat to see what the Keftas look like in the show because I have my idea. I'm still making my idea. My idea is based off of another cosplayer who I admire and like she does an amazing Alina cosplay and I met her and I was like, hi, can I please, please use your design and please make this? And she was like, I'd be honored. And I'm like, you're so nice. Help. <laughs> have fun trying to make the sound not be terrible while I'm crying in the background. <laughs> but yeah, no, like Literally, so, like, I have an idea of what my ideal Kefta would be, and then I also just have, like, 
a bajillion different other ideas of, ooh, what could a Kefta be, look like in Shuhan? What could a Kefta look like in Ketterdam? But like different, what would it look like in Novi Zem? And then just like me going. Well, would they the, even wear Keftas in those other countries? No, they wouldn't. But see, no. this is why it's completely off the rails. Thinking. It'd be like Bobaton visiting Hogwarts. Yes, mm. yes. I just, well, I think of it for the aesthetic. You know? my, yeah, my worry is they're going to try to go like dark, you know? Mm-hmm. like Because that's the thing, like, Russia, like, like if we're going, like, going back to the Russian influences on this, like, Russia actually, as much as the country itself is a dreary place in a lot of ways, <laughs> weather-wise, I'm talking about weather-wise, and, you know, other things, see, whatever. <laughs> there are some other aspects that... We're talking about the weather. Wait. Yeah, I'm talking about the weather. <laughs> um, uh, but, like, really, like, like historically, like, they're, they're the... Oh my god, like the palaces, the Fabergé eggs, the the the, mm-hmm. the clothing, the the army outfits even back like, you know, in the early 1900s and you know, pre pre Soviet Union obviously. Like they were there it's a very colorful country and I feel like some of that is it is colorful because they are they are uh they're putting they're they're putting this color out there because they don't have like the, again, weather. They don't have it. Really. Yeah, I honestly, be, I think my other they thing make is, things bright and beautiful because they don't have that mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of aspects. Um, I also, um, I personally like always imagine that they wear a range of colors within their color. So, like to me, I always thought that like like take the ethereal key for example because this was the one that I hyper focused on because um, I really love Zoya. I know she's unlovable. Um, yeah, but I really love Zoya. And my whole thing with the book was, wow, look at this stereotypical female rivalry. God, I wish they were BFFs. And so I projected that heavily. But needless to say, in my head, I had this idea that like all the ethereal key and like all the um all the Grisha in general wear jewel tones, like just very jewel tones to be opulent and like rich. And, like, slight variations within that. And I always sort of imagine that Zoya, because she's so, like, uptight, stick up her ass, kind of the favorite, that I always thought she erred to very dark blues. Because in my mind, she's sort of, like, placing herself closer to the dark lake. Well, no, because- they, they, they actually say that, that the Etherilki wear midnight blue. Mm-hmm. Which is actually, in a way, that's a little bit funny because, like, when you actually consider um, sapphires, dark blue sapphires are considered like the least valuable. Like, they, there's mm-hmm. something I don't know. There's something about they're they're just more prominent or something. Yeah, but, I just personally read it as like they they want to be closer to the darkling, you know, because he's the only one who could wear black and like, but he's also technically an ethereal case. So they're like, oh, we're gonna be as close to him as we could possibly be we're cool too look at us we're important <laughs> it's, also that's especially bringing me back to the scene where they're all arguing about who she's gonna walk in with and um oh my god who is it one of the girls is like yeah well the darklings and ethereal key too and like the coral key guys turn to her they're just like are you putting yourself under his level and she just goes uh i think quietly, it's probably yes. marie it's and either we, Marie or her friend uh, Nadia or something. Nadia, yes, Nadia. It's one, it's one of the two of them because those are the only. That's the thing. Like, there's, there's like so many. Obviously, there's so many Grisha. We don't really get to meet like a ton of them. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we know that. I mean, we know Ivan. We know Sergey. I think is also a Korkoralki. And mm-hmm. well, there's the. 
can we take a step back? At this point, we barely know any of them. True. They're mentioned. They're they they blip in, they blip out. But you yeah. know, other than Jenya, who you start to know, I don't feel like you know any of these people yet. And I think that's also really indicative. Once again, like back to like the Alina POV. Like none of them have really taken the time to know her, which is why we don't know them either. And I think like more than anything, that speaks to like her isolation there. And I can't help but think if it's like, I don't know. I just felt really lonely for her the whole time, like in this first half of the book, especially. I just want to like sneak into the series and just be like, hi, Alina, here's a hug. It's okay. Is it really really that they're not trying to get to know her or is it that she is distancing? Because like she very clearly says over and over again, like she doesn't know how to use her powers. She can't just summon Mm -hmm. her powers until literally like we, we see her do it for the first time, like in chapter 12 or 13 i believe oh yeah i forgot um, it was that late it was, yeah it was, it, was cha- it was chapter 12 so like we see her like finally realize why she hadn't been able to summon her powers and and now she can but like before that like she was avoiding them like yeah and that's true too. there to be fair, she had every reason to, be to fair. yeah she had every reason fair. to avoid them because like they're not they're really not the greatest people. Like she sees Marie and Nadia just kind of talking smack about other, you know, orders and other people. And like, then she sees Zoya come in and they're like, Oh my God, not her. But then they like act all nice to her face, which is very, um, God, that's very early. That's very early 2000. Yeah. Like very high school, like Uh middle school, like girl on girl Mm -hmm. behavior. Like, the funny thing is I was actually talking to one of my friends today and he was complaining about like dude friendships. And I was like, I mean, that's the way you're complaining about dude friendships is kind of the way like people usually see that's that girl on the girl, girl friendship stereotype yeah. that, that you're like competitive and nasty. He was like, what are you talking about? All the girls I know. And this is a guy that's like 40. All the girls I know are like build each other up. I'm like, Hey girl, you look amazing. And I'm like, yeah, that's because we're all old now. Now we do now because we learned. And I think that was my biggest thing. And like, as the series goes on, we'll get more of all the characters, obviously. But for me, one of the biggest reasons that I like stuck onto Zoya, like right at the very beginning was one, while I hadn't actually read like other info about her, I knew that she was part Suli from the casting. And I was like, yay, she's played by an Indian actress. I'm Indian. She's me. Hooray! And then turns out she's just like a bitch and is terrible to people who aren't in her clique, which full disclosure, I've always been a nerd, but I was Regina George nerd in high school. I was I was not a kind person. And so like I definitely full on like identified with that and I'm like, oh man, I see so much growth potential for you. Like please, please please be friends with Alita. No, uh, wrestle her and illegally and lose and then illegally beat her up with your magic. Okay. That too. Same. And like, it's, it was just so <laughs> funny to me reading this book and just seeing every regrettable choice I made as a teenager in high school and being like, ah, yes, these children, they're not doing great. <laughs> oh, children. Of course, of course, of course you were the popular geek girl. It was a problem. I wasn't good at it. Oh, man. I also uh, was the oblivious geek girl, so let's be real. So, so one thing I noticed <laughs> in the book, which I still am trying to figure out why she did it, even though they tried to say she wanted to fit in, when she did not take the Darkling's colors. So do you think that was a 
premonition she knew something was off there or do you think i think it was more of the fitting in though because by putting herself next to him even though she does give herself power she's distancing herself from everybody again and literally at this point i'm the sort of person that like while alina clearly admires him and is like he's a pretty man like i'm pretty sure she's also like vaguely like maybe i shouldn't kiss a 120 year old I don't know. I hope she's like that, but I doubt it because YA fantasy. But I think she knows that, like, yeah, I think she knows that othering herself among the rest of the Grisha like that is not going to make her any friends. And I think that was the reason she did it. But she was already already sort of not making friends by befriending Jenya. Which was yeah, considered well, out of the ordinary. I, I, I think I think she's a little bit. Well, she did. First of all, with, like with with her her relationship with Genya is like I I, I don't know if it's Genya or Genya. I've I've always pronounced it Genya. Yeah, I've always uh, said Genya. Well, honestly, I don't know. But no like, idea. Um, <laughs> Either I, do I, I. I think with 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 Genya, she's seeing that like like she's the first person she really like meets who's like very kind to her. Yeah. So like she feels like. Uh, she feels attached to that person and, and whether or not like, and, and she also doesn't know the sort of hierarchy. So like, yeah. she just assumes like if Genya is helping her and she's so beautiful, she must be like super important. Right. And then she learns that she's not, but she's still stuck in that, like, or not stuck, but she's still in that orphan mindset of like, I want to belong. This person should belong. I'm going to bring them with me if I can. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and to be completely honest, like, it's it, maybe it's sort of in a little bit, like, oh, way, like a hero complex. Yeah, but that would have been easier to do in black. It would have, it would have been, but I don't, yes I don't think, no. I don't think she's thinking, I don't think she's thinking about. I don't think she's thinking logically. In no. the sense that, I don't think she's thinking that I need power in order to make people like me. I don't think yeah, like logically is the right word. Yeah, she doesn't want power. She just wants to fit in. And, and I so, think like, to her, fitting in means taking the person that showed her that first iota with kindness with her, but then not taking steps to further other herself, if that makes sense. So to her, it's like, Genya's already nice, with, nice to me. Genya's first person who was nice. Genya is friend. Oh wait, people don't like friend? They they should like friend. Um, friend come with me. They'll like us both. Oh no. They want to make me important and different. Everyone won't like me if I'm important and different, then they won't like me or friend. So no different, please. No different, please. <laughs> I mean, I, I really I really think it's 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 I get I get that. I get the not like necessarily wanting to stand out. Um, especially because she doesn't even know what her power is or how to work with it or anything like that. So as I, I get a lot of what she's going through and why she chooses the blue and not the black. Because if she, if she, if she can, she knows she can wear the black, but if she chooses to wear the black, then everybody is going to separate themselves from her. I and also to put her on like a pedestal and she's going to be unreachable. Um, I also I, think it was like a bit of a, like a progression thing like i don't think she thought she was worthy of the black yet and i don't think she thought her powers were like that impressive or that her control was that impressive that she could wear the black so i think in her mind she was still blue and that she and that she might consider wearing the black when she feels she has the power for that to make sense 
And that was sort of a bit of how I read it. Because I think, like, to her, it seemed like when she was offered the black, she was like, what? Are you sure? Really? Well, and something that Tara said really resonated for me about, like, being potentially put on this pedestal. Because, as we all know, if you're put on a pedestal, you have further to fall. And I think Mm -hmm. there's a very real fear of that that I think would resonate for Alina as well of she's very unsure of what her capabilities are, like uh, Nami was saying. And so if she doesn't feel like she can even really access her powers without an amplifier, which I believe was still the case at that point, Mm -hmm. then if you're elevated to that level and you can't perform, you're going to be you're going to fall and you're going to fall hard. And so I definitely, yeah, I definitely understand wanting to be like, let me temper expectations a little bit and, uh, and not take that mantle on. Yeah. I I think, I think that a lot of, of why she chose to wear the blue was that like, and, and, and why she chose to try to drag Genya along with her. And even, even after Genya was like, no, 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 we don't do that. And she was like, no, but I want to, like, um, I'm going to say this and try to not sound like a rude ass, like, like bitch, but like, I was a big nerd most of my life. And then at some point I started running a convention and I'm like the organizer of the first ever like Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire convention in the States. And like, if I, like, I would never not bring my friends with me. You know what I mean? Like, listen, like you want to be friends with me. You gotta be friends with all my friends too. I don't care. Like, like, and and I'm not saying my friends are weird or bad or lesser because that's the thing. Genya isn't any of those things either. It is like when you've been nothing and you become something, if you're a decent person, you want to bring those people that were good to you with you. Mm -hmm. Like period. Yeah, absolutely. Like to me, it made perfect sense that she tried to bring Genya in and still didn't take the black. Because to me, the black Kefta was literally like the physical embodiment of every single expectation on her. And she's literally going to wear it. And I was like, why would you do that? No, 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 no. Get away from that. Ah. And it just, it it clicked in my head perfectly when she was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, thank you. And also just, I want to give Genya a hug and Alina. I want to give everybody in this series a hug, really. Maybe not Zoya right now. She's still no, bad. not Zoya right now. I want to sit Zoya <laughs> down and give darkling? her a stern talking to. No, not the Darkling either. I, he's he's still too creepy. He might interpret that weirdly. Um, Nick, I would maybe have you give him a hug in my place to give him the comfort <laughs> without the potential of a love interest. I I'll don't know. Is one. the Darkling yeah. by? I'll... Darkling's Who not knows? by. He can't have but us. I, I can I give a really good hug, so I'll do it. One other thing that I thought was interesting is even as you approach the kiss and all of that, you're halfway through the book, you still don't know the Darkling's name. Oh, yeah. No, No, he's just the Darkling. He has become his leadership position. He has become his title. Um, His power. I also feel like, um, you know, she's... 
again, this is, this is, I think a, a, a unreliable narrator, but she sees things in him, you know, like he looks baffled. He looks shy. He looks upset. He looks, you know, whatever. Uh, but then he kisses her like, and, 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 you know, ugh. but like, then <laughs> Ivan, like Ivan comes around and he's just like, she says, like, I caught a little smirk playing on his lips. Like he knew, he knew, like he knew, like maybe he doesn't know the whole thing. He doesn't know the whole story. He doesn't know the whole plot or plan or whatever, but Ivan knows this guy is like, not like, and I, I, I think, I don't know if it's then or later. I think it's later and I don't mean to like spoil, but eventually she thinks like, well, how many Grishas has he done this to? And it's like, mm. You're probably right, girlfriend. Oh, I pretty sure. I haven't been celibate for a hundred years. I was gonna say, and I think my biggest thing with like the Zoya Alina rivalry is that it's it's very clear that he did this to Zoya, and it's very clear that he has discarded her for Alina. I don't know if that's just me reading into things a lot, but like literally everything Zoya does, the power you're, she's you're used jumping to, ahead here. But like, oh, yeah, yeah. I just was like. Mm, Stop, stop kissing babies. Hashtag yes, all darklings. All right. So do we, uh, one of the things I I had put in our, like in our discussion thing was something, it was something I read, I think it was on Goodreads. Um, Somebody had commented like uh, that Alina refers to his symbol as the sun and eclipse and that they thought it meant a solar eclipse. So yeah. somebody looked, somebody actually looked up uh, that term and it, and apparently it can only happen at new moon when the sun and moon are in conjunction. Um, so in astronomy, like the new moon is obviously the first phase of the moon uh, where it's closest to the sun in the sky and um, the instant when the moon and the sun have the same ecliptical longitude. Um, So the moon is the, 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 and and I'm, I'm again, this is from Goodreads. I do not claim this as my own, but they're saying the moon is the closest reference to the darkling in the sense that it's closely related to darkness and night, like the new moon. Um, darkness doesn't really have a symbol he could draw or use. So like he could have chosen a symbol that only related to the night for like the stars, like, like, like a black field with stars, a black field with the moon, but he deliberately chose something that incorporated both the moon, the new moon and the sun. I think, like, to me specifically, I hadn't actually thought about it until now, but I saw that in your notes, and as I was thinking about it, if you actually look at a picture of, like, that eclipse, I think it symbolizes darkness more aptly than showing a night sky. Because Mm -hmm. when you think about it, just the moon on its own or just the night sky, it's still giving off light in a way because you have stars, you have the reflection of the sun on the moon, and this is still giving you light. So in a way those would still symbolize light. But by showing the eclipse in which the sun is actively blocking, is actively being blocked and thus creating more darkness. Yeah. In a way, I thought it was, I thought it was less symbolic of like Olina being the sun and there also being the sun summoner, but more symbolic of his power is darkness. His power is blocking light. Yes, and also there's no way there's no way to portray a new moon unless you just like full on show up with just a plain black flag and you're like, 
everything black is my symbol now. Screw you. I own a color. Which, let's be real, he probably has tried that. Is black a color, or is it not a color? I own no color. I own let's the absence of color. What, what's, that, what's that guy that created the blackest black? That oh my god, let's oh, go yes. find him. <laughs> what the hell is his name? Wait, wait, does that mean that um, Alina Can the dark way, the excuse, excuse me, Anish, Anish something. Anish, Anish something. Kapoor. Yes, Anish Kapoor. Can the Darkling use your blackest black as his color? Wait, is Anish Kapoor the Darkling? <laughs> Discuss. Amazing. Now I'm just Things imagining... I never thought would come up in this <laughs> discussion. Oh, no, no, no. You have no idea what comes up in these things. Now I'm just like... imagining the rest of the Grisha wearing the pinkest pink that that guy invented as, like, rebuttal. And all of the, the Grisha are, all yes. are no longer red. They're pinkest pink. <laughs> They're pinkest pink. I love it. I would say Genya would be pinkest pink, but I feel like that would clash with her hair. Oh, that would clash horribly, but I think that she would, would still rock it. Like with her deepest, uh, like, honestly, like, I have so many amazing oh, red lipsticks that I have just set aside because they do not go with my pink hair right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. I, yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> they, went, they went with everything else, but they don't go with the pink hair, so. Um, Is this the first time you've done pink, Tara? Pink, yes. I did purple once before. And I did orange when I was in high school. Don't ask about that. That seems like a regrettable choice and I'm happy I met you after. <laughs> yeah, there were also there were also me it, it was it was orange dye and me not washing my hair for like two months. So oh, there no. were some there were some faux like, oh, no. like, like mm. pseudo dreads involved, I think. Oh, like uh... Yeah, it's okay. I was going. Listen, it was, it was, it was. I want, I want to say it was Tara's darkest timeline, but then twenty twenty happened. So, yeah. God, yeah. No, I. It's okay. We'll forgive it. We've all had a dark past. Um, we all did but, regrettable things in high school. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, so I, I guess like anything else, like before before we wrap up or whatever, any other thoughts you guys have on the first half of this book? Um, we will be covering, uh, for anybody listening, watching, whatever, we will be covering the second half of Shadow and Bone on October 21st, two weeks from today. Um, and then after that, we are going to go to a one book a week uh, for the next two, just because we're, we're, I mean, to be honest, like it's been really hard. I am I am this far through the book and I would have finished it if I'd had to. So I'm 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 like I have very little left. So Yeah, I am embarrassingly behind because this has been a hell week. So I only got to like chapter six or seven, but I also did read this originally. And not that long ago. Like if I I read them a year ago, it would have been any big deal, but I read them like, yeah, it's been a year. And I also wrote fan fiction for this series recently. So I've been, I've been up to date. Um, (laughs) It involves characters that haven't appeared yet though. So I can't give it to you guys yet, but I can give it to you, Tara. It's a lot of crack. It's funny. Um, But yeah, so like, I think so the one thing PG I wanted 13? to no, it is PG thirteen. Um, crack meaning like fun, like funny and silly. Yeah, crack is like an Irish term. I thought I heard you say it was smutty. So oh no, no, it's funny. It's not smutty. oh funny. I I heard yeah. smutty. <laughs> oh my, Jonathan, head out of the yeah, gutter. Yeah, terrible, out of the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You know, Smutty is the fanfiction I wrote for A Song of Ice and Fire like 10 years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> don't even get me started on my old Song of Ice and Fire trash. Like, we don't. Did you write it under not your need... own name? Oh, of course not. I 
I have so many secret <laughs> names, you will never find them. <laughs> so after Six of Crows duology, we're reading Nami's Nami's, <laughs> Nami's, fan Nami's fan fan live live readings of Nami's fan Nami, I need you. Oh, there you go. That's the special like episode after we're done with the duology is we do a live reading of Nami's fan fiction. I mean, I will write I will write some fan fiction of my own for that just for funsies. It's not going to be as bad as my immortal, and honestly, that's all I can ask for. And that's <laughs> nothing will it. ever be as bad or as iconic as my immortal. Yeah. Sometimes I think about the girl who wrote that, and I just wonder: is she okay? Like, I hope she's doing great. Like, sweetie, you have you have shaped fan fiction culture. Clearly not. No, I doubt it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> is she though? Because we don't know. We don't know. Like, if I want to be optimistic literal. about it. Like, I we, want to like, be maybe the whole thing was sarcastic. Like, well, they, they, I want to hope they did a, they exposed who she was, right? Did they? Who? Like a year about? or so ago. Oh my god! Oh, I think uh, my immortal. It was a Harry Potter fan fiction, Jonathan. Oh my gosh, it might be so. So it's Harry Potter. So ask ask your daughter Talia about it. She might know. <laughs> she will not. She didn't even finish Harry Potter. Oh, wow. oh gosh, she's, she's much more partial to. Is um, that that age where she should have? Yes, she was much more partial to the one with the polar bear. Hmm. Golden Dark. Golden Compass, yeah, I'm actually reading those his dark materials. Yeah, I'm reading those now too. I'm reading so many books right now. Like I'm I literally I'm reading Shadow and Bone. I'm reading the second book in his mark dark materials. I am reading The Life of Saints because I just got it in the mail. And I'm also <laughs> reading the Hamilton biography by uh what's his name? So I'm reading Cherno. Yeah, Cherno, yeah. Anyway, so um, Oh, I did have one thing so, that I wanted to talk about before yes. we close. Because... Oh, I thought we were still talking about My Immortal, because I had more to say. Oh. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. We could start another My Immortal webcast. <laughs> yeah. We should do that. Oh, my God. We should do, like, a special, like, like Christmas episode or something where we just yeah. talk oh my about God. My Immortal. Yes, let's do it. Please. We're doing it. We're doing it's it. Sad. We're doing it. It's happening. Maybe y'all. not Christmas, but, it's, but something is happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so my thing was... Um, I have to say, reading the book a second time versus the first time gave me a really different point of view on Alina in the first couple chapters. Because in the first couple chapters, I... So in the first couple chapters, you see a lot of her jealousy over Mal, like getting attention with girls and her pining. And once all of that happened, I sort of read that through as very like low-key slut-shamey, like, oh, like, of course the girl is celibate because she has to be, but the boy goes out and gets all the other girls and like, whatever, it's fine. When in reality, it was just literally she wasn't getting tail because she didn't want to and she was pining. And I think that for me, that reread was really nice because the first time around, I got real salty about it. And I was like, wow. Of course, uh, of course, like, she's the one who's, like, not allowed to, like, go out and kiss boys. And then, and then he can kiss girls and romance. That's funny because I didn't think that at all the first time I read it. The first time I read it, I was like, ew, she's annoying. Like, why is she complaining about this dude who's, like, clearly attractive? Like, let him get his thing. Women, like yeah. to me, I was just like the second time I read it, I was just like, "Hey, stop pining and just like 
make your move, girl. Well, like, and that, well, that, that that might be an, I mean, honestly, Nami, I don't mean to age shame you, but you are quite a bit younger. <laughs> that might be an age thing. Yeah. Like, I think if I had, I think if I had read this in my early 20s, I would have been like, ugh, what a dick. But like, reading it in my, like, I think mid 30s is when I first mm-hmm. read this. Yeah. Book. Like, like, maybe slightly on the barrier between early. <laughs> there uh like it was it was it was i it never like alina as a character she annoyed me in some ways but that 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 and that was kind of like i got why she was upset i get why she's upset because you like this dude and like you know whatever but like i i didn't i didn't like fault him at all oh no i didn't fault him either my main thing was like i'm the girls i'm honestly like he's apparently hot yeah, I low-key read it more into, like, her slut-shaming herself into not doing anything. And, like, this, I bring it up now because I want you guys to keep this in your mind when you read later. Because stuff happens that makes this be, like, a thing that people think about. And reasons that, uh, like, this fandom has reacted very negatively to certain characters. And it's a thing that I'm very mad about. Because I'm like, absolutely not. Y'all are just projecting. And it's very true, Tara, because once again, it's a lot of young female readers who are reacting in this way negatively. Yeah. And I and I think you probably can suspect what I'm talking about here. But, so, yeah. but like, it's very much that inherent idea of like, slut shamey girls ideal and a lot of girls who read this who are young like, self like it's not, it's not it's not his fault for exactly. being attracted to and hooking up with these women it's the girl's fault yeah that's how that's how life is yeah and i think like so many young people read it that way and then getting further into the story these young girls are reading this and they're like oh people suck and i'm like actually society sucks for telling you this about you but that's not what's happening here yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, that's my. That's my I, little, I, uh, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that she was celibate by choice, even necessarily. Like maybe, maybe some of it was like I am in love with this guy and I'm celibate. Yeah, I low key think that she was pining too hard to even look at other dudes because yeah, they specifically yeah. talk about like how other like it, 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 it's guys. Not, it's not that she's saving her herself. She just like doesn't. Yeah, it's yeah, she, like, yeah, it's like it's like when you have a crush interested. that yeah. hard, it's like somebody else approaches you romantically and you're like, ew, no, go away. I like somebody better. Like, go. No. And they've done that about 12 times. So. Oh my god, isn't that the story of life? But no, like I remember specifically like seeing in the first in like the first two chapters too that she's like getting attention from like the other guys in the camp and she's just like, ew, no, go away. And oh yeah, I, like you don't think Alexi had a thing for her? He like offers to like, he's like, here, take my drawings like oh, yeah, oh, it's, that it's man only, proposed it's, it's only because it's only because i want to hear about like the darklings coach or something yeah we know you're full of bullshit dude like you just think she's cute like oh, and then he died and then he rip alexi he died too rip soon. alexi oh. he tried Try. So <laughs> I actually like that's one of the weird hard. things. Like, that, that, like I, I don't, I don't remember. Like, I didn't remember it. I remember reading it until it happened, and I was like, "Oh man, he died!" Like, yeah, so no, I bad. was sad like, about he that. He was actually like time. a nice guy. Like, 
I was sad about the second time because I like full on forgot and I just remember being like, this is not cool. This is very rude. And I saw him from a red shirt as a red shirt almost immediately. (laughs) You had identified him. saw through everything. He was like, this guy's going to die. Jonathan has lived his life and watched a lot of Star Trek. He knows. You can spot a red shirt from from a mile away. It's your superpower. (laughs) Oh my God, that's his superpower. All right, guys. Um, so we're at like about an hour and 35 minutes. So I'm going to close this up. Um, but we'll be back in two weeks to talk about the second half of Shadow and Bone, which I'm pretty excited about because I'm already almost finished with it. And I would have finished with it if I had tried. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, October uh, Wednesday, October 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be back to talk about the second half of this book. And then after that, we will be one book a week. Um but yeah, thank you guys so much for joining. This was a lot of fun. Like honestly, like I, I've never actually been able to talk with this about the series with anybody. So this was this was a lot of fun. Oh my god. Hey. Yeah, this was awesome. I haven't been able I've talked about this series a lot recently, but mostly with children, which is a different point of view. <laughs> yes, we are not children. God, it's nice to have adult perspectives. All right. Well, uh, we're going to sign off. Anybody else have last words before I end the broadcast? No? no. All right. Nope. I love Lee Bardugo. I love her. I know. I know. I need to like tweet at her and be like, watch our webcast. We love you. Tell Lee. us about your magic system. Tell us, <laughs> tell us if Kenya has Edward Cullen eyes. Yes, please. No. All right. And on that note, Thank you so much for joining. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.